Welcome to the Get Cute Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about how to break into tech. Stay tuned. So, breaking into tech is a huge, huge topic now for a lot of people. Um, I'm going to be referencing Reddit and CS career questions a lot in this podcast because I am an avid lurker of CS career questions. Um, If anybody's listening to this, I highly suggest you head over there and read all the threads because a lot of it is amazing in perspective of what to do and what not to do (laughs) in terms of uh, interviews and things of that nature. Um, But I want to say I got the idea for this episode in general because I lurk CS career questions and I see a lot of the same questions uh, over and over again. And a lot of these questions are from college new grads, which is understandable because they're anxious about getting a job once they're out of college. Um, And sometimes there are a lot of people that are, uh, you know, making a career change. Maybe they are working for a tech company, but they, and they're working on the business side and they want to switch over to a more more hands-on coding role, say as like a software engineer, Or perhaps it's somebody that has no idea what coding is and they just know that it seems to be a very hot industry, which it is um, for right now and probably for the rest of our lives. And how are they going to be able to cement their place within that uh, industry? And so um, it's a lot, obviously. There's a lot of misinformation that I've seen given there and a lot of really good information that usually is uh, pushed to the bottom because people seem to be only concerned about one thing, which is a lot of hive mind mentality, which I will get to later. But for the beginning of this podcast, I really wanted to break it down into three main areas in the beginning of how you can break into tech. So there's obviously more than three ways, but I think these are the three major ways. And I'm going to be focusing the most on one in particular, um, only because that's the experience that I've had getting into tech. And I will go into my journey as well um, when we get to that. Like I said, there's three main areas that I I want to cover. The first area is the most obvious one, which is college university and obtaining a computer engineering or a software engineering degree. I wanted to get this out of the way first, mainly because I'm not going to be a good resource in advice into how to obtain the best internships from the best big end companies that are out there. Actually, I should go ahead and say what big end means. Big end means any huge tech company right now that any software engineer would work for. It used to be the big four, but obviously it's expanded way past that. So I would say Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, Airbnb, Google, obviously, Amazon or Twitch, you know, companies of that nature that are the leaders in technology and also paying the most money. Let's be real. (laughs) They pay obscene amounts of money. So those companies. So I'm not going to be the good resource for trying to tell you how to obtain those internships. I don't know what that process is like, but I can tell you what you should prepare for say your first interview at one of these places. I will go ahead and say that I know a lot of these companies are going to understand that you're a new grad or about to be a new grad and that your knowledge about working industry practices are going to be 
very limited because you have the experience of what is taught in your classes and there's no fault to that obviously you may not know say if you're obtaining a java position you may not know what spring is uh that's something that you should probably look into though as somebody that's going to be a java developer Um, i'm going to be using a lot of java references because i am primarily a java developer but what i'm saying is is that going into these interviews one thing that you could do uh, to give yourself a step up against other people that are also new grads or about to be new grads is knowing those core things um nobody's saying that you need to know what annotations are what request mapping is or any of those types of things but you should know about the framework and what it's used for and its general purposes only because in most places that use java you're going to be using spring and you can apply that to any language and any framework whatever is the most used framework for the language that you are studying for or you're trying to obtain a job in you should know the very basics of how it is used in a corporate setting because that'll give you a leg up and obviously always focus on your algorithms and on your whiteboarding because that is hugely important even though that will be another episode down the line about my feelings about um, the current standard for tech interviews which is shifting depending on what companies you apply for. It is shifting slightly, but mainly for the beginning, it's still mostly uh, very algorithm heavy and very whiteboard heavy as well. But I, I do want to say that, and I just wanted to reiterate that working on your industry knowledge is so huge. Maybe you won't get that first job, but for the second job, you can apply whatever you learned from that interview and keep studying, um, keep looking at other projects, look at a spring project or look at any project that's in the language you're building and, and see how that's working. I can't stress enough that sometimes good grades will get you ahead. And I'm going to reference CS career questions once again, but a lot of the times when you see people that are getting these jobs, you're seeing that they are doing side projects because they want to know how these things work and they know that the company that they're going to be working for is using these frameworks and these things. And I'm not saying that these people are experts, but they are able to talk about it and to it. And that's really impressive for um, interviewers and companies. Absolutely. The second area that I want to cover is self-learning. Self-learning is very exciting to me because I'm a huge proponent of it and I am a testament of it. I taught myself HTML and CSS when I was nine. Built my first website around nine, ten. I know that people that are so driven that they take on self-learning languages. They are some of the best engineers, product manager wise, that I have come across because they just soak up all of this knowledge like a sponge. There's no ego there to what they're doing and it's fantastic. I want to say though, that's really important for self-learning because unfortunately there is bias in this industry that if you don't come from a university with a degree in computer science, that you're automatically running at a, at, at a disadvantage as other people. I know that Google recently said that you no longer need a college degree, which is amazing, finally, to, to actually be able to work there. But there are still other companies that are working with that bias. I actually worked at a company, oh my goodness, almost a year and a half ago now that was also that same way. And that was a constant bias I had to uh, kind of deal with in that job. But I want to say that with self-learning, there you need to be on it. Um, there's something that my mentor says that to me that really identifies with me is that you have to work twice as hard to get half as much. 
and that a lot of black people here. It's also true for self-learning, no matter what your race is. In that sense, you need to build your portfolio. Building your portfolio is important across the board, but I believe it's even more important for self-learning and for boot camp, which is the next area that I'm going to talk about. Build your portfolio. I'm not saying that you have to have 20 projects in it, because honestly, who has the time? But I want to say you should have maybe three to four really good projects that are clean coded and they are featuring things that you're excited about. I feel like that's one thing that people don't focus on that much is that people can tell that you're excited about coding or at least excited about the interview by the projects that you have or the projects that you present and you talk about in your interviews. So I feel like it's really important to find a project that I hate saying passion project, but that's what it is. It's a passion project. And I'm not saying that this is something that you have to finish and turn into an app and like take it to the next and its levels. But what I'm saying is you need to have that quote unquote passion there in order to get through it and to be excited about doing it to the best of your ability. And that's all that I'm using passion projects for. Moving on. Another part of this is networking. I didn't mention with the college and university networking, mainly because in college you have a huge networking resource. You have your career centers. You also have uh, career days where, where companies are literally coming to you to interview you because they have those internships and things that are already their network that they're building. And so if you're self-learning, you're already coming at a disadvantage because you don't have those resources. In order for you to build your network, you need to make a LinkedIn. You need to start adding people on LinkedIn. I know it's weird. I still find it weird when I get requests from very random people on LinkedIn, but I understand why people are doing that because they want to network. Make a LinkedIn saying that you are an aspiring software engineer or whatever role you're looking for in tech and just start adding people that are in the industry. Just do search and start adding people because most of the times, LinkedIn is very much like, I need to grow my network. I need to get as many people as possible. So more than likely people are going to actually accept you. So that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is attend meetups. So meetups are huge. I've met so many amazing and connected people by going to meetups. So I know it's hard. I also have social anxiety when it comes to forcing myself to go to something alone sometimes because that's what it's going to have to come to and forcing myself to talk to people but that is such a huge part of obtaining a job and it doesn't even matter if it's tech industry it's any industry people downplay networking so much um but honestly that's how you're going to obtain the job that's how you're going to connect to that one random person get caught up in a talking conversation with them they actually really like you and all of a sudden it's like hey do you want to interview for such and such and such and then from you once you obtain that interview it's from you it's on you I should say to study be on your a-game and to knock it out of the park because you have given that opportunity just through networking really attend meetups meetup.com is a fantastic source to find tech groups or just job groups in general if you're in the east coast specifically the greater philadelphia area technically has amazing network events where they have companies that come in and are essentially just trying to get you to come to their company so it's 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 really really nice in that sense I absolutely suggest you do that oh and they also have one in the DC area as well I don't want to leave DC out so greater Philadelphia area DC area technically network I'll have their information in the show notes this brings us to area three my favorite area to talk about boot camps 
I did say that I was going to tell you a little bit more about myself. So I am a software engineer. I have been a software engineer for three years. I specialize in Java and currently my role is more full stack. It's a lot. We have an automated pipeline. My company is very huge on automation, which is music to my ears. At my last job, I had to manually push our deployments and it was, ah, I think, I think I left them off in a better state with automation though, but, <laughs> uh, it was terrible. I got my position from boot camp. Boot camps are very polarizing and I understand why they're polarizing because there are a lot of boot camps out there that are for profit and they don't necessarily care about the outcome of the people that come through their boot camp. They're more so concerned about the money that they're going to receive after. With anything, you need to research boot camps to the nth degree. I don't want to name any specific boot camps here, good or bad, because it's not up for me to sway you into which boot camp. <laughs> I went to, I will say that you absolutely need to research boot camps, get their job placement rates and within a certain time frame. So this is very important. So marketing is a hell of a beast in terms of numbers matter, right? You may see a boot camp that is saying something along the lines of, we have a 96% placement rate. Wow, that sounds really good because I would like to have money. However, what is that placement rate over? So a lot of boot camps are going to be 12 weeks to, I want to say, six months around there. And a lot of the times they give themselves a placement window of one month to three months after the boot camp actually ends. For me, that is a lot of time because that is going to be time where you don't have money, right? So you absolutely need to know what that time frame is for those percentages. And if you're looking at boot camps and you're speaking to somebody at a boot camp, it is absolutely within your right to ask those questions. And if they don't give you the answer to that, then that's more than likely a very good indicator of what kind of practices they were running. Huge red flag. So definitely do not choose them. Boot camps are very wide in terms of what they teach. So I went to a Java boot camp, and that's why I love Java. But we also learn JavaScript as well. You need to decide what language you want to learn. I I I picked Java, obviously, because it was within my state, so it was closest to me. I suppose that if you're trying to figure out what language you want to go into, I highly suggest going to Stack Overflow. They have a great survey that they do every year about what languages are the most popular. I know right now Go is hugely popular. I, I need to teach myself Go. Go, Java is always a good go-to because a lot of large corporations are grandfathered into having Java applications. So it's always a very nice thing to, you'll always have a job is what I'm trying to say. You can always bounce around. Python, if you're into machine learning, great language to learn as well. JavaScript is obviously, I mean, JavaScript has completely taken over the world. Uh, it's very odd to me thinking back about like in like the late 90s, early 2000s about where JavaScript was just that language that made you have snowflakes falling from your website. But JavaScript is absolutely a dynamite language to learn. It doesn't necessarily have to be all front end because Node.js is also great. I mean, there's options there as far as what bootcamp you should look to and like see what languages they're doing as well. But as far as pros for boot camps, it's accelerated. So you don't have a choice because all of your information is going to be condensed within 12 weeks or six months or whatever the time frame is. So you're going to learn the hard way. It's going to be like banging your head against a brick wall more often than not. But then again, 
programmings like that a lot of the times too, always. But it's going to be very rewarding because you know after 12 weeks, you're going to obtain the knowledge that you need to at least get you into an entry-level position and then you can continue your learning from there. Also, with boot camps, check their job opportunities. So a lot of boot camps tout that they have career services, much like a college or university, that they will help you get into a position. I personally would look for boot camps that are sponsored by larger corporations and then see if they have interviews with those companies. Because often more times than not, if a company is sponsoring a boot camp, they are more than likely want to get the return from that investment that they're putting into the boot camp by hiring you, right, as a resource. Look for boot camps that are sponsored by companies. And then also look at the curriculum for the boot camp as well, because learning your language and your frameworks and just basic information is obviously very important. However, there is also the networking aspect of that that I mentioned for self-learning and which is also has with college and universities that you need to have as well. Or do they have companies coming in to speak to you? Do they have networking associations where they are pulling in a bunch of businesses from your local area and, and they're trying to get them in, get you in front of these people? Because that's a huge proponent of it as well. I don't want to talk too much about boot camps because I do plan on having a separate episode with a guest. So I don't want to talk too heavily about it here, but I do want to say that pros are accelerated job opportunities if you pick the right boot camp. And the networking with them is out of this world. Cons, I would say that depending on the boot camp and the rigor of the boot camp, is that you will be broke for a very long time. You need to budget ahead. Absolutely. I was in a situation where I needed to get out of my current company at the time. I did not do the budgeting that I should have, and it was very rough for me financially. If you're looking into boot camps, I would plan maybe six months out to start and then. That way you can have your finances in order so you're not starving like I was. Other cons, I would say there's a possibility that you may not get a job and then you're still going to owe that boot camp at some point. Now, I will say that some boot camps have clauses where they will only bill you for the fees if you have a job, but that puts the pressure on you. And it also should put the pressure on them because I would, they want their money. So they should be working for you to help you find something. Not getting a job out of that is terrifying. It's a thing that can happen with self-learning in college and university too, as evidenced by CS career questions. There are a lot of new grads and a lot of people that are, are having hard times to actually get a job. There are only a couple of more things that I want to highlight. Like I said, I'm eventually going to have a deep dive into boot camps because I know that's such a hot topic and it's a topic I'm actually very passionate about. The first thing I want to get out of the way is that there are more jobs within tech than just being a software engineer. I know that software engineers get paid a lot of money. I know that a lot of people, that is what they strive for. But you go into something strictly for money and within, I don't know, say it's like six months to a year, you realize that you really hate software engineering. You hate coding. You can't freaking stand it. You can't stand stand-ups. You can't stand the meeting, et cetera, et cetera. And then know that there are other positions. If you're, if you're working at a company that is a good company, they will have positions for you to move into and still be in the tech sector. A lot of popular ones are that Scrum Masters for Agile, amazing. My Scrum Master that I have at my current job is absolutely phenomenal, keeps us on track, keeps the team going. It's fantastic if, you, if that's more like along your lines of a personality. Product owners and managers, they are so integral to the Agile process and so integral to tech 
you still get that technical knowledge that you need, but there's also the business side, which is actually a very good mix. If there's somebody that you, you like tech, but you don't want to do the coding, but you want to still be involved, but you also want to get involved in business, being a product owner or product manager is absolutely the right move to make. And then there's also business analysts, which is more so strictly business, but that's amazing as well because you, you're still involved in that process. And then there's even tech support. People look down on tech support because it's not necessarily the highest paying thing you can get into within tech. But money isn't everything. I'm saying that now with the privilege of having money and I know how that's coming off, but I will say that if you get into tech support, it's more than likely going to pay you a bit more than what you're making now, depending on what career you're coming out of. I will say, and I will address this because some, I feel like somebody's going to email me and correct me. It's very hard for you to shift into a software engineering role in a company once you've already accepted like an IT position, like a, a tech support position. I want to tell you that don't accept an IT support position at a company that you want to perhaps bump up to software engineering because I find that to be true more often than not. And that's going to, if you accept an IT position, I know that, or IT tech position, I know that you're going to be coupling that with self-learning and that's going to come into the portfolio. It's just going to be harder for you to break into the position, but it's hard to break into tech if you're not already in it anyway. So what do you have to lose? The last thing I want to mention is please don't get caught up in the big N anxiety. What do I mean by that? There are so many new grads, so many people that are just trying to break into tech that they feel as though they need to work at Facebook or they need to work at Twitter or they need to work at Apple or Microsoft or Google or Amazon in order to be seen as a legitimate software engineer. That is not true because let's just let's just keep it 100. You're more than likely want to work at those places because you know that they pay out of the wazoo. And that's okay. That is great. And I mean, they also have very good tech, very good work environments, some of them. Um, that's another episode. But let's just be completely honest. You want to work there more than likely because they have the money to throw at you. But guess what? There are other companies, other large corporations that are not those big end tech companies that can also throw money at you. I would say don't look away from the financial sector. Money is absolutely there. You could always work at a startup. Sometimes the startup salaries could be lower or if they've already obtained funding, it could be higher. Just if you're only aiming for big end companies, you are limiting yourself and you're pushing out all the other opportunities that you could have. For opportunities where you might be making more money up front, or opportunities where you get to work on something really, really freaking cool. So just don't limit yourself. That's it for this podcast, y'all. Hopefully this episode is very informative for you and that you were able to take away some tidbits to help yourself break into tech or to pass the episode along to somebody that is looking to get into tech. We have so many episodes coming up, one on boot camps, one on imposter syndrome, which is a huge one. But if you have any emails or any questions, or if I said something completely wrong that you don't agree with, feel free to email me at thegetcutepodcast at gmail.com. Also, please feel free to like and subscribe and review my podcast. Leave me five stars. That would be fantastic. Doesn't matter what you put in the review, but I always love hearing nice things. Catch you all next time. Bye. Thank you.